It's me, it's me, H-E-C-3, also known as Hampton Edward Conway III, better known as Lil Ham, sometimes known as Shorty Coco, and this is the Get Fat Podcast. That's right, Get Fat, F-A-T, Freedom and Transformation, and boy do I have a story for you today. And before you start thinking, I'm going to tell some crazy story because you've heard some of my story times with Lil' Hemp. Um, those are often comedy. Uh, but this is, this is uh, in all seriousness, I want to share something with you on this special day. This episode is a tribute uh, to a good friend of mine that has passed on, uh, Henry Stewart a friend and classmate from High Point High School. Uh, we also shared an opportunity, brief opportunity to be in a singing group together, a group called the Max, M-A-C-S. And that stood for, uh, M stood for Chris Minor, A stood for Chris Artis, C standing for Hampton Conway, and S standing for Henry Stewart. And, um, you know, Chris, Chris, and myself uh, were all in the same class of 93. Uh, Henry was class of 95, uh, but somehow didn't matter that he was two years younger than us. Uh, Henry was just in the mix with everybody, you know, even in high school. And so, you know, he was a little brother that was like a big brother. Um, you know, and those of you that know him know the impact that he had on people in his life and the impact he had on his community. Uh, but I want to tell you a particular story uh, with respect to the impact that he had on me. Um, and and I'm going to do this today to celebrate uh, his heavenly birthday. So let's go back to August of 2014. Uh, in a previous episode, I did share about how one of the hardest things I ever had to do in my life uh, was to leave my children. Uh, I was with my family in Pennsylvania, the Pittsburgh area. Uh, in January of 2014, I found it necessary to leave Pennsylvania and come back to Maryland, separate from my wife at the time, and uh, unfortunately had to leave my children behind. I could not take grab my children and take them out of state with me for uh, legal reasons. Um, but once I did get here, I did pursue custody of them and ultimately was awarded uh, custody of all 10 of my children. But that's a whole nother long story. And that's not the focus of this story. I'm just trying to set the stage and give you an understanding of the state that I was in uh, in August of 2014. So. January of 2014, separation. I was already dealing with serious depression and anxiety uh, because of the trauma that I faced in my marriage. Um, I was struggling even more with guilt um, and shame uh, and depression, uh, especially revolving around having to leave my children behind and coming here and not seeing them, going from seeing my children all the time, every day, 
to not seeing them and not knowing exactly when I would see them. There were occasions where I would travel back uh, to Pittsburgh to try to spend time with them, but drama always ensued every time uh, I tried to, to, to make that happen and, and spend some time with them. So it was a really tough, tough time. Um, I, I was, you know, my mother uh, came back to my parents' home and my mother was very good about making sure, um, you know, I didn't stay in the bed too long, in the dark, wallowing in my depression. She would come in and cut on the lights and encourage me to get up. My, my best friend would support me. My sister would support me uh, as well. And, you know, just really helping me. But I was really struggling. OK, I, I was hurting. Now, between January and August, um, it was really, really tough. There were times where, you know, like I said, I didn't even know when I was going to see my children at certain times. We were going trying to go through the courts to handle certain things and things were just it was just a mess, to be honest with you. And on August 9th of 2014, uh, my ex-wife was actually bringing my children down for a visit. And this is been, would have been the, this is the first time they would have come down to Maryland since January. And I was very much looking forward to having the kids here, having them spend time with my, me, my family. It just so happened that that day coincided with uh, a family picnic uh, for my dad's side that I was going to take the kids to and you know, everybody be able to enjoy seeing each other and so on and so forth. So I was very excited. Uh, but maybe 15, 20 minutes into that visit, um, I had probably had just enough time to greet the kids, hug my kids, um, start having some conversation with them, enjoying their their being with me that a blow up. Uh, for lack of better words, words uh, happened uh, between my ex-wife uh, and my father and then myself. Um, that's a whole long story. But nevertheless, uh, my ex-wife immediately packed up all the kids, uh, some of them crying uh, while they're being thrust back into the van um, and proceeded to head back to Pennsylvania. And I'm saying this part so you understand, like, I was already in so much pain. I was already hurting. And so excited to see my children. And have went through a lot to even work that out to make that happen. For them to only be here 30, 45 minutes and turn around and be gone. I was so distraught. I was distraught to see the kids distraught over what had happened. Um, and honestly, I was in a place where so much leading up to this had happened that I was ready to just give th throw in the towel. I was done. Um, I, I was ready to give up. I was ready to give up on myself, give up on my dreams, give up on God. I was just so done at this point. There's a whole lot more to this story, but just trust me, I was fed up with life. I was fed up with people. I was fed up with God. I was just, it was a mess. Now, that's August 9th, 2014 that this happened. Um, I had uh, seen Henry post-communication uh, that he was preaching at Emory Fellowship on uh, August 10th 
of 2014 and had already decided that I was going to go and support him um, when he was preaching on that Sunday. But when this happened, I was like, man, bump church, you know, uh, but but because I'd said that I was going to go support him, I wanted to follow through with that. I didn't, you know, so I, I, I that next morning, although it was hard for me to get myself up and moving, um, I got myself up and I made my way to Emory Fellowship, although it was late. I was so late that I had a hard time finding a parking spot and ended up sitting in the balcony uh, of the church. And I got there just in time to hear Henry speak. But what's fascinating about <laughs> uh, the fact that I actually did make it there. And I thank God for giving me the little bit of energy to get me there was that Henry's sermon, his message. It was one of those times where you're like, oh, my God, this is for me. This message is directly for me. Because like I said, I had given I was ready. I was just done. I was just so done. And Henry was preaching a sermon and it was focused on vision. It was focused on, you know, like calling and purpose and the vision that God has given you for your life. And I absolutely had vision from God. I, I, I knew and still know that I had a calling on my life to do particular things. And I was ready to give up on all of that. I had convinced myself that this must not be what God wants me to do because nothing is going right right now. You know, and I was so depressed and so distraught and confused that I was just like, you know, this, this, this must not be, you know, what I thought God had called me to do can't be what God was calling me to do. The, the ideas he gave me, the vision of things he gave me to pursue must not be. Uh, I, I must have it all wrong. But I got in this church and I'm sitting in this balcony and I'm looking down at my good brother, Henry, and I'm listening to his sermon. I'm going. Wow. This man is all in my business. He is all up in my life. And he had no idea what I was going through at the time. I I, I told him later. Uh, but at that point, he had no idea what was going on in my life at the time. And I was just so overwhelmed. Um, and I was also grateful to God that I felt like, you know, God knew the state I was in and knew I needed a word directly from him. And it had to be poignant. It had to be uh, um, all up in, in my business to get through to me. And so it did. And, and, and one of the things that stood out to me about that message is he related a, a vision to a pregnancy. Um, and he talked about the stages of a vision beginning with conception and, and, and you know, making the analogy that, you know, uh, just like a baby is conceived, a vision is conceived. The idea, uh, you know, is conceived. Uh, and then it goes from conception, you know, it goes from just being an idea or, or an initial thought um, to gestation. Uh, and, you know, that gestation period is in pregnancy is the de developmental period from birth. I'm sorry, from conception to birth. And so 
same for a vision. You know, the gestation period is, you know, when that vision is developed, when the ideas and, and the concepts of that vision are developed. And he said, and it's funny because he even warned, he said, you got to be careful uh, in that gestation period uh, of your vision, not to miscarry. <laughs> you got to nurture it and take care of it and, uh, you know, grow it and develop it so that you don't miscarry the vision, the vision. And then he went on to talk about the birth phase, like when that vision comes to fruition. You know, when 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 that vision actually has gone through these other stages and actually happens uh, and, and, and you see it come to life. But that's not the end. Um, he, he, he did mention also. That there will there can be times, and this is one of the parts that hit me hard too. Um, that even before the birth, and I skipped this part, he talked about well, he didn't talk about, he said, Don't abort the vision. And boy, that hit me so hard because that's where I was. I was ready to give up. I was ready to abort the vision. And thank God I didn't. And so he talked about, like I said, he talked about birth and you know, that thing coming to fruition. But that wasn't the last stage he talked about. Then he also talked about adoption. That once the vision is birthed, then other people buy into your vision. They support the vision. They adopt uh, that vision as their own. And, you know, being sure to have people in your life that uh, are willing to adopt you know, your vision and, 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 you know, a lot of that's related to who's in your circle and the kind of support you have. And so, man, let me tell y'all, this message was so dang on, on point for me and timely for me that I was just, again, I was on the verge of tears up in that balcony and just, just thankful for Henry, thankful to God that he gave Henry those words because that is exactly what I needed at that time and at that place in my life based on what was going on with me. But the story doesn't end there. <laughs> um, so Henry goes on to do an altar call and he doesn't do a typical like call to salvation. He he actually said, you know, if there's someone here and, and, and you feel like you have a vision and, and you want prayer, um, you know, with respect to just sticking to it and and not aborting the vision and and seeing that vision birth and come to fruition. You know, those were the people he was calling down to the altar. And I thought, that's me. But I was all the way in the balcony. And honestly, like, I felt like, Lord, you made your point. I got it. I get it. I don't need to go down. I'm good. Like, you made the point. I'm good. So he's going through that. And <clears throat> while he's doing that, there's a woman. Now, mind you, I'd never been to this church before. And I really didn't know anybody there other than Henry. And there was a woman down uh, probably about midway of the church that had turned around and was looking up in the balcony. And she was pointing. She was pointing and she was waving as if to beckon someone to come down. And so I see her and I start looking around 
trying to see who she's talking to. I'm like, somebody's mama is trying to call their child or something. I'm like, is that your mom? You know, I'm looking at the people next to me and asking them, it's like, is that woman calling you? Is that what, you know? And, you know, trying to figure out who she's talking to, whose attention she's trying to get. And then, you know, I looked at her again and I mean, she was staring me dead in my face, pointing at me and backing me down. So I kind of made a motion and pointed at myself and was like, me? And she shook her head, yes, and waved me down, like both hands. She's like beckoning me to come down. I'm like, is this somebody I know? Like, I don't recognize her from you. My eyes kind of bad. So I'm like, maybe I don't see her clearly. Maybe this is somebody I know. You know, I do got cousins and family all over the place. Uh, you know, maybe it's a relative or something. So anyway, I make my way down. As soon as I hit the main sanctuary, this woman charges up the aisle towards me. She grabs me by both shoulders and she starts shaking me like I did something wrong. Like I had just disobeyed her commands and she's shaking me and she starts saying, y'all, okay, sorry. I'm just getting emotional thinking about this. And I'm not making this up for real. Like this happened. Like, I don't know this woman. And this woman grabbed me and she was shaking me. And she said, you have a vision from God and you cannot abort the vision that he gave you. You have a call. You have a purpose. You have something that God has called you to. I mean, this woman is going in and shaking me like I was had done something wrong while she's telling me. And then she grabs me by the hand and said, we going to the altar and we're going to pray right now. This woman dragged me to the altar, prayed the most magnificent prayer I'd ever heard. I wish I could have recorded it and kept it for life. But this woman prayed over me as if she knew my whole story. Beginning to end and future. I was stunned, shook, shocked, bewildered, confused. No, I wasn't confused. I knew I knew that was God. I, I knew that couldn't be nothing but God. As if I didn't get the point enough standing in the balcony, God had to put an exclamation point on his point by having this woman that I don't know Speak life into me about my specific situation and then pray over me as if she knew me and everything about me. I was absolutely floored. That was a miraculous event. And I mean, in there are times where God shows himself and speaks to me all the time throughout my life. But this is one of those times where. It's not the only time, but this is one of the times where it was like he outdid himself. <laughs> Whew. He outdid himself in getting my attention and getting his point across and helping me to uh, reflect and reevaluate what I was about to do. So. I have not thrown in the towel. <laughs> I did not throw in the towel that day. And I have not thrown in the towel since. And, 
And I, I, I had to tell this story uh, about the way Henry, just one way, one of the ways that Henry Stewart influenced my life uh, and, and the role that he played in the miracle that took place on August 10th, 2014, when I really needed, I needed a miracle so bad. And God gave me one. And I didn't even ask him for a miracle. I didn't go to church looking for a blessing. I went to church because I said I was going to support Henry and, and I wanted to follow through with that. And God used that opportunity to show me grace and favor and uh, pull me just a little bit more out of the darkness that I was in. And uh, I thank God for that event. I thank God for that woman. Thank God for Henry. Thank you, Henry. Happy heavenly birthday, sir. Um, so I want to say to those of you that are listening, if if you are someone who has given up on your vision or contemplating giving up on your vision, don't abort the vision. Don't give up. God gave it to you. God put that thing in your imagination. I was listening to a, 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 a video. Steve Harvey was talking and he said that God puts your real life in your imagination. And he was talking about following your dreams and connecting them to your gift. And if you don't do that, you'll never be happy. But I just want to say to some of you that you may be in a place where you can't even see how this vision, this vision has gotten so blurred and cloudy. It's like you're wearing glasses that are fogged up, got mud on them, scratched up. And you're still and you're trying to see your way to it and you just can't see it. Well, you need to put on God's spectacles. You need to see it the way he sees it and how he sees it. He gave you the vision. Don't abort it. Don't give up on it. He is with you. You may feel inadequate, but he has put everything in you. He didn't just give you the idea. He put everything in you, in your personality and in your DNA to make it happen. So don't give up. Don't abort the vision. I'm so glad I didn't. I'm so glad God showed himself to me in a miraculous way. And let, let me be God's voice to you today. Reminding you what he has called you to and equipped you to do. I would like to ask that those of you that are listening, if you would take the time in honor of Henry, uh, to support the Henry Allen Stewart Endowed Scholarship Fund for Morehouse College. Henry uh, is a Morehouse alum, class of 99, proud Morehouse alum. And I am providing a link in the details of this podcast where you can go and give a gift uh, of, of any denomination. Um, but in honor of Henry, I will be making 
a gift to support uh, Morehouse College to be able to empower and support their students and faculty. And um, if you would do the same, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. So it's me, it's me, H-E-C-3. And uh, I'm just trying to give y'all a little something to chew on so that you can get fat. I got freedom and transformation on that day. And y'all come on and keep getting fat with me on the Get Fat Podcast.